everybody. Great to see you. Welcome to River Glen. If, if you're new, my name is Ben, one of the uh, pastors uh, here. Good to be together with you. River Glen is one church in uh, multiple locations, and so welcome everybody here in Waukesha. And big welcome to those of you on the other side of the camera, joining us online, joining us over at the uh, Pewaukee location. Thanks for making us part of your uh, uh, weekend. And uh, maybe this is your first time uh, here. Uh, somebody invited you. Thanks for saying yes and uh, having the courage to say yes. You picked a great weekend to be here. We're beginning this brand new series called uh, Love Does, inspired by this book, best-selling book by Bob Goff. And if you'd like to go further on this subject, this would be a good resource for you to look uh, into. So what does the word love actually mean? That word gets thrown around a lot. We use it in lots of ways. It can get uh, confusing. I was thinking about it, and I love my kids. I think I love my kids as much as any parent could love uh, their kids. Uh, I love my kids, but I also love ice cream. And I love my wife. I have an amazing uh, wife. I I love her, uh, but I also love uh, good water pressure in the shower. And uh, I had some good hot water pressure uh, this morning. It was great. And uh, I love my friends. I have good friends. I love them, but I also watch, I love uh, watching uh, reruns of The Office on, on Netflix. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that we use this uh, word. What does love actually mean? Well, here's a dictionary definition. Dictionary says love is an intense feeling of deep affection. And that's how our culture tends to define uh, love as a feeling, an emotion, an experience. And in some ways, you know what, it makes total sense to define love that way, uh, because researchers have found a chemical in our brain called dopamine. Our our brain releases this dopamine chemical anytime we do something that we enjoy. Could be eating chocolate, could be sex, could be Facebook notification, you get a like and you get this rush of dopamine. And this is why many of us, many people have bought into this idea that love is a feeling, an experience, an emotion because of this rush of dopamine. Now keep in mind, God created dopamine and dopamine receptors in our brain because he wants us to enjoy those things. God longs for us to delight in him and in the world around us. But when we narrow down our definition of love to only that kind of experience, it hurts our relationships. Think about it. We're happy as long as we've got that dopamine rush But when the friend we thought would be there for us lets us down, or the coworker that we thought would have our back is nowhere to be found, or the spouse who promised to love and cherish from this day forward isn't loving or cherishing, when love doesn't come easy, when we struggle, we begin to think love is is gone, kind of like the famous song, the classic song by the Righteous Brothers, Uh, Help Me Out, You've Lost That. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. We start thinking that way. And so when the honeymoon's over and the warm feelings start to fade, uh, how, do we, how do we actually love others? How do we love someone? Well, here's what we need to get crystal clear about as we begin this new series. God never intended for us to narrow down uh, the definition of love to just a dopamine rush or an emotional experience. Love is not just a pitter-patter of the heart. It's not just wishing upon a star. It's not just a hallmark card. Love is not just a feeling. Now, it is those things sometimes, but it is so much more. Uh, One time, uh, one of Jesus' uh, closest followers and one of his closest friends defined love uh, this way. His name was John, and in 1 John chapter 4, he said just simple three words, God is love. 
What a profound statement. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, you know, God likes to love. God knows, you know, one or two things about love. Or God can point you in the direction of love. No, he says God is love. It is a, it is a definitive statement. So let me, let me ask you, if you want to know what God, what love looks like, uh, where, where, where do you look? If, if you want to see what love looks like, you look at God. You look at God, and, and God went a step further, and he came to this earth in, in the person of Jesus. God shows up on the planet earth in Jesus, and he says, here I am. Here is love. And when we look at Jesus, as we watch his life, we discover something beautiful about love. And, and here's what we discover, that love is active, not passive. Love is intentional, regardless of feelings. Love is sacred movement. We discover that love does. Throughout his life on earth, Jesus emphasized the active nature of love. Look at, the, look at, what, he, look at what John wrote uh, uh, about how Jesus uh, taught on love. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus used the word love as a verb, an action word. And then Jesus says in the next verse that this active love is, is the sign, the distinguishing characteristic, the mark of his followers. He says, by this, by this characteristic, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, it's hard to overstate the importance that Jesus and really all of Scripture places on the quality of love. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul writes, let love be your highest goal. When your name and my name are synonymous with love, then we're hitting our highest goal. It's how we become the best version of ourselves. It's how we become the person God intended us to be. And if I miss on that one, I'm missing the highest goal of, of my life. And, and for those of us that feel like we're, we're missing on it, remember these words from George Eliot, it's never too late to be who I might have been. Isn't that an encouraging uh, statement? And uh, that's why I'm so excited about this new series because we are going to learn in, this, in these next few weeks, we're going to learn how to develop the quality of love. And so I hope that you'll plan to come back and, and be here over the next four weekends as we, as we uh, talk about what love uh, does. We're going to look at specific behaviors, specific ways that Jesus modeled what love does in relationships. And if you want to be a better parent, if you want to have a better family, a better uh, marriage, if, if you want to be a better friend, if you want to have a better dating life, this series is for you. And I'm also really, really excited about this series because we're not just going to talk about love. The last weekend of, of, of this series, I can't wait, we're going to put love into practice as a, as a church and as individuals. In four weeks, on the weekend of October 5th and 6th, uh, we're doing what we're calling the uh, Big Offering uh, Giveaway. Our leaders have been praying about this for months, and we sense God uh, leading us to take everything that comes in the offering uh, that weekend, every penny that comes in the offering uh, that weekend, we're giving it, we're giving it away. We're, we're, we're giving it away to serve the needs of people in our community and uh, even people around uh, the world because love does. Yeah. We're going to divide that offering up into four areas. We're going to give to four areas of need. And uh, here's the first one. Take a look.
One of the focus areas for our big offering giveaway holds significant meaning for me personally and for many of you as well. A portion of the offering will go towards meeting the needs of the special needs community both locally and around the world. Here are some of the ways that your generosity will impact this unique population. Many years ago, we began a partnership with Missions of Hope in Nairobi, Kenya, and helped to build a school in the Babadogo area of the Mathari Valley slums. Through child sponsorships, this school allows children access to nutrition and education and to learn about Jesus. Over the years, we've sent mission teams to visit the school and support the work being done in Babadogo. During our last trip, we learned that Missions of Hope is just beginning to serve special needs children in the Babadogo school. They have just one classroom and one teacher, and they're in need of additional resources to support this population. Part of the Big Offering Giveaway will help them purchase equipment and supplies, support teachers, and expand the special needs program. Locally, we'll continue to offer the Night to Shine Prom in February that has served over 100 teens and adults with special needs in our own community. The guests walk up to the carpet and they're a little nervous, but they're greeted by these big cheering crowds as they walk and twirl and almost run down the red carpet. It's just their, their smiles are priceless. Um, I love dancing with, with Claire. They just love to go to Night to Shine. In addition to the prom, we'll be offering multiple social events for this group of individuals over the next year as a way to give them a place to have fun, be themselves, and feel completely loved while offering their parents and caregivers a night of rest. Finally, we're thrilled to support a couple of new organizations that serve the special needs population in our local community. Good Friend Incorporated works to educate and raise awareness in schools and businesses about how to be a good friend to those with autism and other cognitive differences. Our generosity will help to spread their message across Waukesha County. Team Up With Families is a local organization that strives to enrich the lives of children with physical challenges by providing recreational opportunities, including a week-long day camp in the Oconomowoc area. Your generosity will allow them to serve even more families in Waukesha County. We are so excited to support so many great organizations that love the special needs community and to put the love of Jesus into action. I'm really excited and I'm really grateful to be part of a church where we don't just talk about love, we demonstrate love through our, our generosity and we trust God to take care of the needs of our church. And uh, we're praying for a big offering giveaway, we're praying for a big offering. Our goal for uh, that weekend, uh, we, we'd like to get an offering of $100,000. And uh, wouldn't it be great uh, to give away uh, that much money to serve needs in our, in our community and around the world uh, because love does. Now, here's specifically what we're going to talk about today. I want to look at how Jesus expressed love in relationships through words. One of the ways that love does is love speaks. And we love to speak. We love to talk in our culture. Did you know that in the average, Amer the average American has 30 conversations a day? You know, you're going to have uh, about 30 conversations today and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. You spend about 30% of your wake time talking. Every day, you add it all up, every day you'll speak about 30,000 uh, words. Here's another way to look at it, that uh, over the course of a year, um, you will fill up uh, 66 800-page books 
with your words. Now, here's a book, it's a pretty big book, pretty thick book. It's got about, mm, about 800 pages um, in it. And uh, I've got 66 books on this cart that represents, you know, all the words that we speak over the course of a year. I mean, it's a lot of words, isn't it? It's an amazing amount of uh, words. And I was thinking about it. You know, we could uh, put some titles on some of these uh, books. We could just make some up, right? Like, uh, okay, the book of traffic uh, right here. Um, Yeah, these are all the words that we say while we're driving. And notice there's a red E for explicit. Yeah, I don't think we can read out of this in church. And uh, I know if we read my book of traffic, I would really be sweating up here. And then, oh, here's the book of gossip, all the things that we said, uh, all the things you said about other people behind their back, you know, your, uh, your neighbors, uh, your, your, your coworkers. Uh, how would you like it if we read, you know, your book of gossip out loud in church? Not too much, right? And then, oh, the book of in-laws, yeah. And uh, all the words, you know, that you said about uh, your in-laws, and there's even a section right here about your mother-in-law. Yeah, book of in-laws. Pretty amazing, though. Six, 66 books, about uh, 800 pages uh, each. All the words, an amazing amount of words. Here's the question. If we read the words that we spoke to our families, our friends, our coworkers, what would we find love? Would we find love in those uh, words? Take a look at this uh, challenge that the Apostle Paul gives to uh, Jesus' followers in the uh, New Testament. This comes from Ephesians chapter uh, 4, because love uh, does. Here's the challenge that Paul gives to us today. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, I would, I, would, I would focus on that in that first part of the verse myself when I would read this verse, uh, because it helps me with my book of traffic. But actually, I think the next half of the verse is even more impactful. Paul says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul says, when love speaks, it's intentional to use words that build up other people according to their needs. In other words, love speaks in different languages according to the needs of others. And so it's no surprise when we read about the life of Jesus. Remember, God is love. God comes to earth in the person of of Jesus to show us what love does, that Jesus spoke Very intentional words. And so we're going to look at uh, a scripture in the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of uh, Matthew, chapter 16, where we see Jesus using some very intentional uh, words. The disciples had, had traveled with Jesus for quite some time. They listened to him teach. They watched him perform uh, miracles. Uh, they, they followed him for a long period of time. And so Jesus throws out this question to them, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And uh, Simon jumps in and says, all right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get that one. And he, gets, he answers correctly. He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Because Simon knows Jesus is, is the Messiah who's come to bring a new movement, a new movement, a beautiful new movement of love. But Simon didn't expect what Jesus would say uh, next. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of, of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. You catch that? He changes his name from Simon to Peter because Peter means rock. And Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not uh, conquer it. So here's what Jesus does in this moment through the power of words. He speaks into Simon's life 
And he gives him a new vision for his entire future. Understand, up, up to this point, Simon acted impulsively. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth and messing up one way or the other. But now Jesus comes along and says, no, you're, you're, you're not going to be Simon. You're going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. You know, I think of it this way. If the Bible had like a soundtrack that went with it, when Jesus said, you're not going to be Simon, you're going to be uh, Peter, which means rock, I think this is what you would have heard. Anybody recognize that? You know what that is? Rocky. That's Rocky. Yeah, Jesus says, I'm going to use you to build my church. You're going to be Rocky. You're going to be the leader. <clears throat> Jesus speaks into his life, and he sees something in Simon that Simon doesn't even see in himself. And Jesus says, you're going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. And Peter begins to grow into that vision. And I know Peter looked back at those words and, and drew strength from those words that Jesus spoke to become a great leader in the great movement of love known as the church of Jesus Christ. But it's interesting, if you keep reading, uh, Jesus doesn't stop there. It's not just affirming words. Jesus goes on to speak some hard words, some challenging words. Look at what happens a couple of verses later. It says, from then on, Jesus begins to tell his disciples, and his disciples includes Peter, Rocky, he tells his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. Jesus tells, predicts his death. He says he would be killed and on the third day raised from the dead. But look at how Peter, the rock, responds to Jesus' uh, teaching here. Peter took him aside and he begins to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Now, you have to understand, back in that ancient culture, a student, a pupil, a follower uh, like Peter would never rebuke a teacher, a rabbi like uh, Jesus. But Peter oversteps his bounds and rebukes Jesus. See, Peter believes Jesus is the Messiah, but he thinks Jesus is going to lead a military movement overthrow the Roman government and set up an earthly kingdom. That's why Peter says, no way, Jesus. Heaven forbid, I will never let you die. This could never happen. See, Jesus has big plans for Peter, but Peter's got a long ways to go. And that's why Jesus does not shy away from speaking the truth uh, to Peter. He says, it says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Those are some hard words. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Peter didn't get it. He needed to see through new eyes, and Jesus loved Peter so much that he was willing to speak hard words when Peter needed them to help build up Peter according to his needs. I think this conversation between Jesus and, and Peter, it illustrates how love speaks in different uh, languages. And so here's what I want to do to help you get the most out of this today. I want you to take this with you and apply it to your life Monday through Friday. And so I want you to begin by thinking about your circle of relationships, your circle of influence. I'm talking about people that you, you have at home, people at the office, uh, people at school, in your neighborhood, in your, in your small group. Think about those people and ask yourself, what words do they need to hear from me? Because uh, love does, and, and so love speaks. One of the ways love does is love speaks. What are the words the people closest to you need uh, to hear? Let me give you some suggestions, okay? I'm going to call this first one empowering 
words, empowering words. Some of the most meaningful and powerful words happen when you look at someone and you just say, you can do this. You can do this, especially if you are a parent, a teacher, a coach, a supervisor. For you to look at a student, an athlete, a child, an employee and say, I believe in you. I see this in you. Here at River Glen, we partner with uh, many organizations locally, uh, globally. And one of those organizations is called Compassion International. They serve children in poor countries all across uh, the world. And uh, many of us here uh, sponsor children, uh, over 100 children in Ecuador, in South America through Compassion International. And that way these children can receive education and and, uh, medical attention and hear about Jesus in a church that we help start in their community. And like many of you, Marnie and I have sponsored a Compassion Child for many years. A guy by the name of Wes Stafford who served as president of Compassion International for uh, many years, tells just an amazing story of something that happened when he was 14 years old. Wes grew up in Africa, a small African village, because his parents served as missionaries. That's the only home that he knew was Africa. And Wes said he saw in Africa about half of his childhood friends die from malaria, measles, smallpox, even hunger. And it was just so sad. He said he could remember so many nights crying himself to sleep because he went to a funeral that day where one of his little buddies um, got buried. And, uh, but then at the age of uh, 14, Wes and his family uh, relocated to New York City. And uh, it was just overwhelming uh, to him. Uh, he felt totally lost in this large, intimidating city because he had only known this, this small African Uh, village. But here's what happened next in in New York. I just want to read his words to you. He said, a man was driving us to a church service one of those days. Uh, My father was in the passenger seat, and I sat alone in the back. The driver glanced my way and asked a familiar question. So, Wesley, what do you want to do when you grow up? After a long, awkward pause, my father came to my rescue. He said, you know what? I've been watching Wesley for a long time. He's seen a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. He has a big heart, and he loves helping people who are hurting. Stafford says, I took that in, and I remember thinking to myself, really? Is that who I am? Is that what matters most to me? And it was. He said, that was the end of the conversation, but not the end of the thought. In fact, it was the beginning for me. In that minute, the tapestry of my life got turned over. The knots and tangles from the backside of the needlework fell into a pattern that suddenly made sense, and I was launched. In fact, he says, that was the beginning for me. In that moment, the vision for my life was completely changed, and much of the hurt I had experienced, much of the loss I had seen as a child suddenly started to make sense, and my life's work was launched in that moment. West Stafford grew up, and he became the president and the CEO of Compassion International for 20 years. Years And during his leadership, compassion grew from serving 180,000 children to over 1 million children in 26 of the poorest countries in the world. It grew into the world's largest Christian child development organization. Think about it. All because of a simple question and just a handful of words spoken by his uh, father. Sometimes when love speaks, 
It's the language of empowerment. And you and I have the opportunity uh, to do that. You have the opportunity to speak into the life of a, of a young person. Maybe, maybe it's your child or grandchild, your niece, your, your nephew. Maybe it's a student that you work with. Maybe it's even a peer, somebody at work. And you say, I believe in you. You can do this. Who might need to hear empowering words from you this week? But, but some of you have people around you, and, and, and they need to hear not just empowering words. They need to hear encouraging words. Encouragement literally means to give courage. You know that? You can give people what they need the most, and that is courage. And this happens when you say things like, you know what? You're not alone. Uh, you're going to be okay. Um, we're we're going to get you through this. But here's the temptation when, when somebody's going through a really tough time. And, and right now, many of us, you probably have someone in your circle of relationships and they're going through some difficulty and we can feel a, a temptation to jump in and, and try to fix it. And so we say, Here, here's a Bible verse. Here's a book. Um, you know, here's, here's the reason why uh, this is happening. And we give them an explanation. And sometimes we feel this pressure to just say the perfect words. I remember hearing about a guy who experienced something really uh, difficult. He, he tragically lost a loved one. And he said, you know what I remember? I just wanted people with all their suggestions and all their explanations why to just go away. And then one day a particular friend came in and all he said was, I'll go through this with you. And he sat down next to me and he put his arm around me and I never wanted him to leave. I never wanted him to leave. Words are powerful, but you may have people in your life, and, and, and more than words, they need your presence. They need you to put an arm around them and say, you know, whatever it is that you're going through right now, um, we're going to go through this together. We're going to get through this together. And it gives them courage. It gives them courage. There are empowering words. There's encouraging words. And then there are, I think, the hardest words to say, and that would be exhorting uh, words, exhorting words. Do you know what it means to exhort uh, someone? It means to strongly urge, to influence, uh, to, to even warn. It literally means you, you can do better. You can do, you can do better. It, and it's difficult to speak these words. It really is. But sometimes uh, the people that we love, they need these words. They need to hear these words. I know I did. Uh, I know I do. I can think of one time uh, when I was uh, a, a younger person. I was growing up, and uh, every year, every summer, I would go to church camp near Rockford, Illinois. And I loved church camp. Never missed a week from fourth grade all the way through high school. Highlight of my summer, highlight of my year, going to uh, church camp, learned so much about God and, and uh, the Bible, made some great friends, and had, we had a lot of fun, too. A lot of fun. And, 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 and sometimes we went a little far with the fun, uh, I remember one year, I think it was one of my last years, I was maybe 16 years old, 17 years old, and we were doing pranks and practical jokes, and those things sometimes can just keep escalating, and um, it really kind of it really kind of got out of hand until until one night, three of us, we uh, we stuffed our sleeping bags to make it look like we were asleep, and uh, when they rang the when the dean rang the bell, the dean is the guy that's in charge of the camp, and he rang the bell for lights out, and that means lights out in all the cabins. Quiet down, everybody go to sleep. Uh, and it looked like we were in our bunk sleeping. Yeah. 
But uh, we were out, staying out late, and uh, we thought we were so cool, breaking the curfew, staying out late. Plus, we thought we got away with it when we tiptoed, you know, back into the cabin. Seemed like everybody else was asleep. But then at breakfast, I felt a hand on my shoulder. It was the dean, and he said, "Uh, Ben, I want to talk to you after uh, breakfast. And so we sat down at this uh, picnic table, and I really looked up to this dean, respected him, and he said, Ben, I was really disappointed in your behavior last night, and uh, I just felt so embarrassed. He could have punched me, and it would have hurt less. And then he said, I thought about sending you home today. I was just, I felt devastated. I didn't want that. But he said, but I decided to give you another chance. I believe you can do better. You can do better. And he gave me some um, extra cleaning chores uh, during swim time that I did, but I needed Those words, that was a powerful learning moment uh, for me. I deserve to go home. But he gave me a chance, and he spoke words of love and grace. You can do better. You can do do better. Who in your life needs to hear uh, exhortation words? You can do better. I'm not giving up on you. You can do better. Remember, love does, and so love speaks. Take another look here at Ephesians chapter 4. And remember, the second half of this verse where Paul says that we speak words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so here's what I want you to determine right now. Who do you need to speak to uh, this week? Who needs to hear some words of love from you this week? It might be empowering words. Hey, you can do this. You can take this hill. I I see this in you. You can become that. I believe in you. It might be encouraging words where you just give them courage and you say, you know, this is about as difficult as it it gets, but we're going to go through this together. We're going to get you through this together, and it gives them courage. Or maybe it's some hard words, exhorting words to say, hey, I I wouldn't say this unless unless I believed in you. I believe. I believe you can do better. You can do uh, better. And maybe it's somebody close to you. You know, maybe God right now, maybe he's bringing somebody to your mind that you need uh, to speak to. Remember, every day we speak lots of words, lots of, of words. We fill volumes of, 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 of words every, every single uh, day. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the book of your children, the words that you speak to your children uh, this next uh, year. And you know what kids do? Kids go back and they reread these words again and again. Make sure that love uh, speaks. This, maybe this is your, your, the book of your spouse, the words that you say to your husband, the words that you say uh, to, your, to your wife. Let me ask you, is love speaking? How about your friends? How about the people that you do life together with? What kind of words are you speaking to your friend. Let's, let's fill volumes with words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs. See, the God who is love took on flesh to show us what love looks like in the person of uh, Jesus. And Jesus says, come on, follow me. Follow me. Imitate me. And as you imitate me, you're going to discover, you're going to learn how love speaks. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your love. And 
Thank you for the ways that you speak love into our lives every single day. Thank you, God, that you didn't just give us a definition of love. You love us so deeply, so richly that you sent your son to be the example of love for us. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us to have the courage and the strength to choose to speak love into people's lives this week. We might not ever realize the kind of impact our words can have. But Father, I pray that you help us use those 66 books worth of words to build others up, to love people, and to love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.